Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and happy week 16 fantasy playoffs season in the air. Playoffs, playoffs, we have finally made it here. Shout out to everyone that knew in your heart that playing A.J. Brown was the right thing to do. And the electric Thursday night performance, but obviously we still got tons of games to figure out. Happy holidays, whether you're listening to this on Christmas Eve, Christmas, maybe even on December 26th, whatever you and yours celebrate. Let me be, you know, probably the last one to tell you. Happy holiday season. So it is actually just me today, Ian Hardis, Swain McFarland, Andrew Erickson. They are doing some cool family holiday stuff, as will I once we get done, breaking down all these injuries ahead of week 16. So I'm going to, you know, try to move through these a little bit quicker than we usually do in this episode and just touch on everything because there is a shit ton to go over. Uh, but, you know, I don't think we need to completely, you know, spend five minutes on every situation like we do some of these times. So without further ado, let's start things off with the quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield has been cleared from the COVID list along with Case Keenum and Jarvis Landry. So Baker, I know, not someone that we're looking forward to playing during any given week in fantasy land, but at least least for those super flex and two QB squads, you will have Baker under center this week. Meanwhile, in Detroit, Jared Goff is quote-unquote highly unlikely to play per head coach Dan Campbell. That means that Tim Boyle should be under center. You know, we also have the magic man, David Blau, in that situation as well, but it does look like it'll be Boyle. Absolutely horrific, uh, you know, debut for the Lions earlier this year. Certainly a downgrade to Amon Ross, St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, and everyone else involved. With the Saints, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon on the COVID list, so it is time for Ian Book to be great. They also signed Blake Bortles as the backup. You know, like going from Taysom to Ian Book is arguably an upgrade for Alvin Kamara if it means he gets more targets and less quarterback runs, which as we know, Taysom just loves to do. So that's the main COVID notes. Otherwise, we got more just ridiculousness out of Chicago. Unfortunately, Justin Fields will not be starting with that ankle injury. He's listed as questionable, but that's just to be the backup with Andy Dalton out with a hand injury. It is actually going to be Nick Foles as the QB1 for the Bears. Again, David Montgomery, too much volume to fail, really, regardless of who is under center but guys like Darnell Mooney and, you know, the um, Cole Komet, certainly a downgrade without fields under center. And we also are not apparently going to be getting Lamar Jackson back. He is not expected to play per Ian Rappaport. That means that Tyler Huntley should be under center. Keep an eye on this, though, because he did miss practice Friday due to a non-COVID illness. So fully expected to start is the quote. Like, it's okay. It's not nothing to too freak out about, but he is listed as questionable, man. These Ravens quarterbacks and the non-COVID illnesses absolutely killing us. Uh, but it does sound like Huntley will be out there. Few notes before we move on to running back. Aaron Rodgers not practicing all week with the toe, but continuing to play through the pain should be good to go and doesn't have an injury designation. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. We're limited all week with the ankle injury, but the Eagles went ahead and did not end up giving him a uh, an injury designation. Let me double check that real quick. I'm recording this Friday afternoon, so stuff is still coming in hot. Yes, Jalen Hurts is absolutely good to go. Hopefully, he'll continue to carry those fancy squads that he's been doing all year long. With the Giants, Daniel Jones, out for the year with that neck injury, but it will be Jake Fromm instead of Mike Glennon under center. Uh, you know, it could be an upgrade for these guys. Mike Glennon has been horrific this year. Number one in turn of a worthy play rate. Number one is in like the worst, not not a good thing uh, to be number one in. But hey, Fromm, he actually did come in and do some things at the end of uh, last week. Now it was against, you know, 
back like prevent coverages, the stuff you're going to see down a lot in the fourth quarter, uh, still potentially uh, could be an upgrade for these receivers if you are desperate. Maybe Saquon Barkley as well. With the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater out with the concussion, which means the Drew Locke experience will be on full display. You know, moderate upticks for Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick. But even if we are expecting Drew Locke to give these guys more downfield chances than Teddy usually does, I think we all know we're just asking a lot for Truly, PFF's most inaccurate quarterback in terms of adjusted completion rate to make much happen here. Kirk Cousins, good to go with the rib injury, and Taylor Heineke activated off the COVID list. So with Cousins in particular, obviously Heineke, someone that we're you know, not trying to play even if there's a fire in fantasy land, but with Cousins uh, at a minimum in this Rams game, maybe they actually coax this into a bit of a shootout. No Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen potentially back. I know Kirk was horrific last week, but I think you know having these weapons back, him being healthy enough uh, himself could actually be a performance where Cousins could end up on the QB1 map, even though I have him ranked a little bit more like QB15. Man, I love coffee. Moving right along to running back on the COVID list. Kareem Hunt remains there and he's also banged up. It's going to be the Nick Chubb show. Once again, top 10 running back. I just wish they would throw him the ball more when Hunt is out. One target last week, Darren Johnson, he's great. I freaking love the AAF, and he's been awesome in the NFL this year when these guys have been gone. But come on, we know Chubb is better than Dearness Johnson. Maybe just feature the guy with, with your season continuously on the line here. Austin Eckler also out. Now, Austin Eckler's been doing fantasy analysis all year for Yahoo. It's been pretty cool. Him and um, Liz um, him, him and Liz have been doing some great stuff. But yeah, he said to go pick up Justin Jackson, which is what we've been telling you here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast as well. But, you know, you really can't get much better than having uh, Austin Eckler himself tell you that so Justin Jackson I know I've got, got a lot of start sick questions already about kind of where to be ranking him I have him right now again assuming that Eckler is out which it sounds like that will be the case I have Justin Jackson as my RB24. I would play him behind guys like Devin Singletary if Zach Moss is a healthy scratch once again, which he has been everything except that super windy, snowy game recently. Um, I would play Miles Sanders, James Conner, Moe and Gordon, Claude Bertolaire, Javante Williams, Zeke, Saquon, amongst other guys ahead of Justin Jackson. I would play Jackson ahead of Rashad Penny, A.J. Dillon, Deontay, he already played, but Chase Edmonds, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, Michael Carter. So basically, Jackson is ahead of the guys that we're you know expecting maybe three running backs involved or maybe it's you know a lesser two-back committee because it is a great matchup chargers against houston just realize you know it's not like a one-for-one uh cook to madison type of switch we're making here uh between between our guy austin eckler and justin jackson uh speaking of dalvin cook he is out potentially through next week not being vaccinated uh Puts Alexander Madison truly in the top five. I have Alexander Madison RB2 this week behind only Jonathan Taylor. Like, you just look at this offensive upside and just look at the running backs that have a chance to get 30 touches during any given week. The list is very, very small, and Madison checks all those boxes. So, truly, you cannot give me a team that should not be starting Alexander Madison. I say that sometimes, and a lot of you people still find a way to show me these rosters where um, I end up having to eat my words. But this week, I'm confident you cannot show me a roster that should not be starting Alexander Madison. Now, with the Eagles, Miles Sanders did not practice all week, but apparently it was just a thing where they wanted to rest him coming off that Tuesday game. So, yeah, he's dealing with the ankle, but he was not giving an injury designation. Same with Jordan Howard and his knee. So, once again, expecting Sanders to be the lead back, but we'll probably see far more Jordan Howard um, than, you know, Sanders fantasy managers would anticipate. DeAndre Swift listed as questionable with a shoulder injury. He was limited all week. I'm just not... 
I'm worried, people. Like, it doesn't benefit the Lions to go ahead and just feed Swift the sort of role he had earlier in the year. We don't have Goff in there. And it's a shoulder injury. I feel like shoulder and shoulders and ribs, you know, we know how much of a pain tolerance issue it can be. And when you're asking a running back, I know Swift gets a lot of work in the pass game, too. When you're asking a running back to, you know, run between the tackles and take all these, um, you know, collisions time and time again during the game, I just get worried with those two injuries specifically with running backs. So DeAndre Swift, I would probably put him just, you know, a few maybe like a spot ahead of Justin Jackson if he winds up suiting up I play him ahead of uh, Devin Singletary I think you know when it comes down to like the Broncos backs James Conner Miles Sanders Clyde Obersolaire I'm playing those guys ahead of DeAndre Swift it's the Lions and it's the Lions without Jared Goff like without Goff like they are truly they go from maybe the worst offense in the league to definitely the worst offense in the league so just be careful with Swift you know close start sick questions I will be answering with the other guy Antonio Gibson is listed as questionable with his toe injury. Again, it seems a little bit like it's more of a fact because he suffered this injury in the game last week and he was able to continue playing. Ron Rivera described it as similar to last year when he was forced to miss time, but noted that it, quote unquote, feels different this time around. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. A lot of, a lot of help there. If Gibson is ultimately unable to go, Jarrett Patterson would be the preferred pickup. Similar to kind of what's going on with Justin Jackson, though, I think Patterson would kind of slide in as someone where, yeah, I'd play him, you know, ahead of Rashad Penny, maybe ahead of D- A.J. Dillon, maybe ahead of Chase Edmonds. That's kind of where he'd be, though, in that low end or not the low end, but the higher end RB3 territory. We'll take those touches and Patterson should be the guy getting most of them. We just got to realize that when it goes from a true bell cow like Gibson, where we know how long it took for him to truly get featured, I'm not so sure, you know, when we go to the back of that, we're going to see him get a ton. It could just end up being split pretty evenly between Patterson and Jonathan Williams. Patriots, we never know what's going on. They're always going to have, you know, 20 guys listed as questionable. But Damian Harris, limited all week with the hamstring. He was limited all last week and wound up not playing. Hermandre Stevenson actually not practicing with a non-COVID illness. So really keep an eye on what's going here. If they end up both being out, then we could see Brandon Bolden getting all sorts of touches. Um, obviously, J.J. Taylor would fit in there as well. So, you know, if Harris is out again and if Stevenson is good to go, he's going to be right up there. You know, I probably is my RB 15, 16. I would say ahead of Saquon, ahead of Zeke and these other guys. Like I understand it is more game script dependent uh, than mo- most situations. And uh, yeah, it would make sense if Josh Allen and the Bills are able to do uh, some better things this time around. At the same time, we've seen teams figure out how to beat the Bills and just running the piss out of the ball against them. I do think that we need to keep in mind that, you know, Steve Stevenson, Harris, yes, last week did not go well. It was the worst game strip we've seen out of this Patriots team really since they lost to the Saints back in week two, I believe it was. But man, like we should be seeing 20 plus touches for whoever is the featured back there when one of Harris or Stevenson is out. If they were both good to go, I'm treating them more as like RB30 options. Specifically, I have Stevenson as my RB29. Harris as my RB30 would not play them um, over guys like Edmonds, Dylan, Penny, Jackson, Singletary, amongst others. James Conner didn't practice all week with his heel injury, but he said that he's confident he'll suit up. If Conner's out, we can move Chase Edmonds literally up into RB. Probably, I'd probably put him ahead of Josh Jacobs as my RB13. So if there's no James Conner, I would play Chase Edmonds ahead of guys like Jacobs, Sony Michelle, Saquon, Zeke, Javante. I would not play him over Aaron Jones, Ronald Jones, Joe Mixon, Cordero Patterson, amongst others. So, hey, you know, if we can get this backfield down to one, we know, and we've seen it really during Kingsbury's entire tenure. Like they've used committee backfields for stretches, but when one of the guys gets hurt, he's willing to give the remaining back a true 80, 90% role, awfully valuable in an offense, you know, 
know, being run by Kyler Murray. I know Colts, very good against running backs, but it's one of those things, people, like we can't just because I've seen some people looking back at the Stevenson call last week and going, you know, the Colts are a great defense against running backs. Like, why would you play Stevenson against a defense that's great at running backs? I mean, why do we play Jonathan Taylor against Bill Belichick, who always takes away a team's, uh, you know, number one weapon? So literally in the same game, you know, you can kind of figure out a way around that argument. So I'm not saying matchups don't matter, but we will continue to prioritize those touches. And that's how you get guys like Antonio Gibson, like James Robinson, like David Montgomery, continuously producing big time fantasy value despite being on terrible offenses and consistently take uh, consistently facing bad matchups because of how futile their overall offensive environment is. If James Conner is good to go, low-end RB2. That is, you know, touchdown-dependent RB2, but, like, we were expecting him to score inside of this offense. And finally, Leonard Fournette to the injured reserve with the hamstring injury. Ronald Jones, my RB11. I would start him ahead of Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Sony Michelle, Saquon Zeke, Broncos, backs, among other guys. I would put him behind Joe Mixon, Cordero Powers, Antonio Gibson, Dave Mount. Montgomery, just a little more confident in those guys' overall workloads. I'm not too scared of Keyshawn Vaughn or anything like that. Again, similar to like Ramondre Stevenson, I think Ronald Jones is someone that we should be seeing 20-plus touches, like no problem as long as the game script doesn't go south. Unlike Ramondre Stevenson, we're obviously feeling a lot better about the chances of the Buccaneers having positive game script against the lowly Panthers. Just a few notes before we move on to wide receivers. Aaron Jones limited all week, but good to go with that knee. Same thing with Joe Mixon in the ankle. He actually practiced in full on Thursday and Friday. Saquon Barkley is good to go with the ankle. James Robinson is good to go with the knee. Melvin Gordon, thumb and hip. Javante Williams with the knee. Both expected to be just fine, despite, you know, having the annoying little cues on our apps. Like the fact, I get it. I don't get why the NFL got rid of the probable designation, but these fantasy uh, apps around the industry need to do a much better job. Like maybe give your own designations. Like let's talk about like why is every single person that's limited at any point throughout the week just considered questionable? I think it makes it very difficult on people. Why not make your own like probable assessments with guys like this that we've seen week after week after week be limited and turn out to be absolutely fine on Sunday. But now that that rants off my chest, Josh Jacobs did not practice on Wednesday with the non COVID illness, but was back to full on Thursday. So he is back in good graces. RB, you know, highest, I have him RB 13. So he just gets, again, too much volume to even think about putting on the bench. David Johnson, not practicing all week with a quad injury. It could set up Rex Burkhead and Royce Freeman for a little more featured work. But again, Houston backfield, the answer is usually just no. Tony Pollard limited throughout the week with the foot injury, but should be fine. Now, I guess the thing with Pollard, it goes one of two ways. Like last week, I was thinking like, okay, he, he looked great out there. It looked like the foot wasn't an issue for him. So maybe in this matchup against Washington that the Cowboys sitting as, I think, nine and a half point favorites, you know, maybe Zeke isn't leaned on and they end up going more to Pollard. But with Pollard banged up too, I think it would make sense if Corey Clement actually just gets fed in the second half, fourth quarter, whenever the game is out of reach for the Cowboys, if it winds up going that way. So Pollard, you know, lower end RB3, I'm RB32. I would play him ahead of the Miami guys uh, and the Ravens guys and, and like Jordan Howard, but I would go with guys like Michael Carter, the Patriots running backs, Chase Edmonds, among other guys ahead of him. Alex Collins, if he returns from this abdomen injury, just realize like Penny is not, you know, completely safe uh, with what they're doing in Seattle. That that backfield is always rotating one guy or another. So just keep a sh small eye on Collins. But I still think Penny is an appropriate enough, uh, you know, higher-end RB3 star. He's been making good use of his opportunities, and we've seen Pete Carroll continuously go back to him. 
Philip Lindsay off the COVID list. He's dealing with an ankle, but just something to remember. In Miami, uh, I am not getting back on the Duke Johnson train. I have him as my RB39. Miles Gaskin as my RB33 because I think one of Lindsay uh, doesn't seem like Malcolm Brown's getting activated, but there's a chance. Um, and then also Salvin Ackman. I think one of those guys could easily turn this into yet, yet another annoying three-back committee. And finally, in a really surprising move, with the Rams designate Cam Akers to return from IR with that Achilles injury. Uh, you know, I got a really good conversation with Matt Kelly about this on a 10 questions pod a few weeks ago, where we talked in depth about Achilles and maybe the potential for the, this injury to kind of mirror the ACL where like early on, it's kind of seen as a complete career ender, but as science improves, as doctors figure stuff out, maybe guys can't return from it sooner rather than later. So this is a great sign for Akers, not in 2021, obviously, or even maybe he gets in there for the playoffs, maybe not. But the fact that he should be able to be pretty freaking close to full health for the entire off entire offseason going to 2022. Um, it, it's great to see, you know, such a young back have already a chance to come back and make his career um, good again. So Marlon Mack came back in just one year. Now got outplayed by Jonathan Taylor, but who hasn't gotten outplayed by Jonathan Taylor this season? And we also saw OJ Howard and CJ Uzoma uh, come back from the Achilles in one year. And again, not dominate different positions, but the fact, again, that they've been able to come back get their jobs back and really, you know, continue to play, albeit maybe not star. I think it's good to see for the future of those Achilles injuries. Just updating some tweets, making sure I'm not missing too much. And I think we are good. Let's move on to wide receiver. Tyree Kill, man, we'll see if they get cleared in time. You know, it's just one of those things where, like, if he manages, if him and Kelsey get cleared, obviously you're starting. If not, I really wouldn't be looking too, too hard at a lot of these guys. I do think Mikko Hardman probably deserves to be prioritized um, because, hey, he really is Tyreek's backup. It's similar to kind of what we've talked about in Tampa Bay. Like, okay, Tyler Johnson would step in when A.B. was out, when Mike Evans was out, but he truly is Chris Godwin's backup. So I feel better about Mikko when Tyreek is out compared to, you know, Demarcus Robinson. Robinson or Byron Pringle. But even with that said, Meikle's a hard guy to, you know, treat as anything more than a pretty desperate flex. Uh, I'm just going through right now the guys on the COVID list. It's stupid long for wide receivers, but Sammy Watkins still on there, which means Rashad Bateman should continue to start. Um, can fire him up as, I think, more so as an upside uh, wide receiver three, particularly with Devin Duvernay doubtful to play um, this week due to what is, I think it was an ankle injury. I got listed here somewhere. On the Bills, Cole Beasley and unfortunately Gabe. Gabriel Davis now both not vaccinated and thus both out for week 16. Manuel Sanders, though, is good to go. Doesn't even have an injury designation from that knee injury. So Stefan Diggs, he'll be alpha for sure. Manuel Sanders, though, deserves to be bumped into that wide receiver three territory, you know, without having these other guys alongside him. You know, as I'm kind of looking at the ranks, I would say Manuel Sanders, probably someone I'm liking like the wide receiver 30. 31 spot. I probably still start guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Michael Pittman. I think I'd go with them over Emmanuel Sanders, but give me Manny over Darnell Mooney, Terry McLaurin, maybe Michael Gallup, you know, Devontae Parker, Claypool, some of these other guys, because he should have all that volume in the ever pass heavy Bills offense. And then expect Isaiah McKenzie to actually be the, you know, the slot full-time slot, get some design stuff. If you're desperate, like 14 team league, you know, you've had your whole bench is filled with these injured guys. Don't be afraid to go snag Isaiah McKenzie and throw him in that flex. The dude is explosive. Only takes one touch for him to really take it the distance. And again, like now that we have one of these rare games where in addition to the engineered touches, he could also be seeing just regular targets as a legit wide receiver. Um, I think Isaiah McKenzie is a sneaky, solid, like wide receiver four play. 
with the Bears. It looks like Allen Robinson is still on the COVID list. Keeps Darnell Mooney in play as a wide receiver three. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the Browns will have Jarvis Landry back. Just tough to treat him as more than a wide receiver three at best himself. Browns are 30th in targets to wide receivers. Like I'm not hitting on Landry or Dalvin Peoples-Jones. I know he messed up a couple of times last week. Just more so a factor of not having the volume. And then when they do get the volume, who the hell knows where the ball is going to go with Baker playing all kinds of banged up. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is on the COVID list. That's up Alan Lazard to be the fairly featured number two receiver. I feel like I heard something about Lazard, though. Let me double check and make sure I'm not giving you guys bad information. That, you know, is not really the goal I have here. I believe Alan Lazard is fine. I don't see any updates on him. Maybe it was, I think it was last week or the week before he was playing through some pain. With that in mind, we know Devontae is wide receiver one, maybe of the world, but Lazard, you know, knowing all the extra attention that Adams gets and, you know, what we've seen from really this passing game as a whole over the last month, I think Lazard is also another, you know, more than quality streamer that you can feel good about in your flex if needed. Brandon Cooks is out, sets up Nico Collins for a good amount of targets, but man, with all these Texans on the COVID list, you know, similar to the backfield, just try to stay away from this team if at all possible. Jalen Guyton's on the COVID list. That sets up Josh Palmer for a full-time role and a freaking offense that, you know, might be throwing more with Austin Eckler out of the picture. Might be throwing more downfield without Austin Eckler out of the picture. So when we look at the Chargers, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they're always playing a full-time role, but Guyton and Palmer always kind of switch uh, back and forth so when you take Guyton out of the picture, Palmer actually should be set up quite nicely. I mean, I do think he is also in that low-end wide receiver three range with Lazard um, and some and Jarvis Landry and some of these other guys. So, you know, don't force uh, Palmer into uh, the lineups, but I probably would play him ahead of Myers, of Landry, Peoples-Jones, um, you know, even like Tyler Johnson and probably the Jacksonville receivers as well. Kendrick Bourne on the list. Nelson Aguilar not practicing all week with a concussion. Slight bump for Jacoby Myers and the Jacoby Myers and the Keel Harry. But again, like I understand the Patriots ran the ball so much on the Bills because of the weather, but I think they also ran the ball a lot on the Bills because that's the best way to beat the Bills is to try to run the damn ball down their throats. So I think Mac Jones will throw the ball more than three times this time around. But man, you know, over under on 25 pass attempts for Mac Jones, I might be taking that under. With the Buccaneers, we also got Jalen Darden on the list. We'll see if Brashad Perryman is able to get cleared in time. With that said, though, I think what we could see either way is Perryman kind of splitting things with Scotty Miller, with Darden if he ends up coming back. And I think Tyler Johnson is going to be that more direct replacement for Chris Goblin. So we already have Mike Evans out with the hamstring. We all know, uh, you know, Goblin's done for the year. So keep an eye on Perryman because he is a sneaky flex, you know, boomer bust wide receiver four, wide receiver five type guy. If he uh, gets out of the COVID protocols, if he doesn't get out, all of a sudden those same things apply to Scotty Miller. So Perryman has been working ahead of Scotty and maybe he does like just cement himself in three wide receiver sets. Like I would expect him to start. I would expect him to lead the way. But in terms of like the two most featured receivers in this offense, I still think it's AB and Tyler Johnson. Finally, LaVisca Chenault, on the COVID list, Marvin Jones and Quan Trebwell should, you know, quote unquote, eat, but in a passing game has one freaking one passing touchdown since week nine. Tough to be too excited about any of those guys. Uh, we just talked about Tampa Bay. Adam Thielen is listed as questionable with an ankle injury. Could be a nice little shootout against the Rams. He should certainly be in fancy lineups of all most shapes and sizes once good enough to go. 
I have Thielen as my wide receiver 21 this week ahead of guys like Ayo already played Christian Kirk, uh, Van Jefferson, OBJ, Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ Moore, among others. I would still play guys like Cooper, Russell Gage, Metcalf, Lockett, um, and Marquise Brown ahead of Thielen, though. We just see so much going to Jefferson these days, and for good reason. The guy is absolutely incredible. DJ Moore is limited and listed as questionable after uh, getting back to practice on Friday with the hamstring. Does seem to have, you know, a chance to maybe not play if he's out there he'll be a boom or bust wide receiver three healthy bucks secondary but hey you know that volume's gotta go somewhere sam Darnold does figure to at least give them a small bump like to go from not the worst passing game in the league to like maybe the 30th or 31st uh similar things with the lions so you know don't get your hopes up too much for dj Moore. i think uh, it's been pretty rough at this point haven't had top 20 finish since uh week four so yeah i think that'll uh, qualify as rough but he still is someone with enough volume that i think land inside the position's top 36 options Quick notes, Tyler Lockett activated from the COVID list. Get back to treating him as an upside wide receiver too. Mention Emmanuel Sanders not having an injury designation. Kadarius Toney is listed as questionable with that oblique. Not sure how ready he's going to be out there, but he is at least activated off the COVID list. Seems to have a chance to play. Um, Taji Sharp for the Falcons listed as doubtful with a foot. Good news for Russell Gage continuing to get fed targets. Curtis Samuel listed as questionable with a hamstring injury. Unfortunately, we just haven't seen them feature him enough to get him out there. I mean, to see Terry McLaurin go down in that Cowboys game and they still didn't ramp up Curtis's snaps I know he's hurt but it's like what do you give the guy 36 million or whatever it was for uh in the offseason just unfortunate Curtis really you know when he's healthy and when he's getting some volume that's not from Kyle Allen the guy can do a lot of special things with the Lions, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond are questionable with thigh and shoulder injuries, respectively. But again, with no golf, it's just tough to get behind anyone other than a Monroe St. Brown, regardless. And even with a Monroe St. Brown, I'm going to be moving him down now with golf out of the picture. Um, I think I would play a Monroe. Uh, who would I play him over? I think I'd start playing him. I'd put him right in like the Jacoby Myers, Jarvis Landry, kind of like, you know, higher end wide receiver four range. Maybe he gets the volume guys, but at this point, who can even, you know, say what that volume is going to be. And the last time we saw like Tim Boyle out there, like, I don't, it's one of these situations we see it sometimes with backups like when they are just so incompetent i mean you know they lost the browns 13 to 10 kind of ridiculous the browns couldn't blow that one out more but like boy only threw the ball 23 times so i just don't really think we can necessarily look at that volume from golf and just assume that's going to go to a monroe st brown with potentially such an incompetent quarterback under center Rondale Moore, game time decision with the ankle. Doesn't matter because they don't play their second round pick in a three wide receiver sets, even without DeAndre Hopkins. I just, I don't understand the Rondale Moore usage throughout this year. Probably could have seen that coming, you know, based on Cliff King, Kingsbury's past with second round wide receivers. Jameson Crowder not practicing all week with the calf. This is another sneaky flex out if you need it. Braxton Berrios, like they've already, he's already been the most productive guy because they've kind of been First of all, two weeks ago, Zach Wilson was just feeding him on a limited number of uh, snaps. And last week, like they're doing these like trick plays through Barrios, like giving him extra touches, um, you know, allowing him to decide to throw the ball. And on that play, he decided to run it in for the end zone. So if you take away Crowder, though, now we got Barrios actually having a full time role, able to do more with it. So please, you know. Social media people out there. I'm not comparing Barrios to Elijah Moore, but when you took out Corey Davis from the picture and Elijah Moore suddenly got that full time role, then we could feel better about, you know, his high end production continuing moving forward. Barrios doesn't have high end production, but I do think he could be a sneaky wide receiver three uh, without Crowder in the picture because we now have that full time role.
Zay Jones should be good to go. Didn't practice on Wednesday, but back out there on Thursday. Unfortunately, just losing enough air yards to Deshaun Jackson to not be a super great play. But the way teams are, you know, just bracketing Hunter Renfro more times than not lately. No Darren Waller again. Zay Jones, you know, is another guy that's going to be out there running deep, running some routes. I doubt too much comes out of it. But again, uh, desperate times calls for desperate measures. And finally, there it is. Devin Duvernay with the ankle injury. Doubtful. Certainly helps Rashad Bateman and Holly. Hollywood Brown. Updating some news to make sure we are good here in Columbus, Ohio, 351 ET. Uh, Seahawks activated activate Travis Homer. Don't really care. Tony Pollard is good to go. Not even listed as questionable. Uh, Jameson Crowder. Okay, there we go. Listed as doubtful. So not expecting him to play. That is a nice little bump up for Braxton Berrios. And yes, checking the tweets. Got anything for me, Shefty? Maybe rap sheet. I don't know. Crazier things have happened. Nope. We are good. Moving on to tight end. Travis Kelsey, like Tyreek, chance to be cleared. If he does, of course, you're starting him. If he doesn't, then it's a situation to just stay away from. You know, Blake Bell would probably be my favorite to lead the way um, in, in this Kansas City tight end room. But honestly, more like it just makes the most sense for them to attack the Steelers front seven, run the ball down the throat of the league's single worst defense in yards before contact, allow per carry. Tyler Higby. Back and good to go for the Rams. Touchdown dependent tight end two. Adam Troutman and Jawan Johnson are on the COVID list. So Nick Vanette, someone that maybe you could be looking at if truly you're desperate come Monday night because he should be the only guy out there playing snaps. Now, come on, it's Ian Book under center. Don't go out of your way to play Nick Vanette, but you know, if you do need someone for the showdown slate or something like that, I do think Vanette could maybe get some things done. We also have Will Disley on the COVID list. That sets up Gerald Everett rather nicely for a full-time role. I know the infamous week 13 or 14 game, you know, it was arguably the worst game a skill position player has played all season long. I will say though, you know, Everett more times than not this year has been good. Like truly one of the better yak tight ends in the league. Uh, and just looking at him when he has no Disley to worry about, I do think Everett warrants, you know, some upside tight end to consideration. I have him, I believe, as my tight end. 15, yeah, tight end, 15, maybe even 14. I'd still go with like Foster Moreau, Cole Komet, Tyler Conklin, Mike Jasicki, Dalton Schultz over him, but I would be playing Gerald Everett over, probably over Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Jared Cook, CJ Uzoma, Tyler Higby. Other injuries, I mentioned Darren Waller out once again, hasn't practiced since week 12. Foster Moreau continues to shape up as a borderline tight end one. He's fine. You know, he's not Darren Waller like people were acting like he was going to be the first week Waller missed, but uh, Foster Moreau is more than fine as a borderline tight end one. We also have Pat Fryermuth out with a concussion. Zach Gentry season. No, don't play Zach freaking Gentry, people, but he will be the full-time guy if you're looking for a punt in DFS or, you know, I, I don't know if there's a team out there that really needs to go all the way down to Zach Gentry at tight end. But if that happens to be you, I'm sorry. And I guess, you know, good luck. Quick other notes. Zach Ertz practicing in full. Good to go with the hamstring. David Njoku was a midweek addition with the knee. He actually played 100% of the snaps last week, but that was with Austin Hooper out of the picture. And he has now been activated off the COVID list. So continue to basically ignore these Browns tight ends. I would probably give the edge to Njoku though for you showtime uh, Christmas fiends out there. Donner Parham out with the concussion. Opens the door for Jared Cook, but like... 
people don't realize that Cook isn't even playing this like full-time role. It's really been um, rough for him throughout this year. We haven't seen any sort of like upside. I mean, I don't think he's had a tight end one finish since before their bye week. So as I am pulling up the numbers I wanted to look at, you know, you write 20,000 words a week and you know, there's going to be some goodness in there somewhere. Here we go. Yes. Yeah, so like last week, Parham drops that touchdown, gets concussed in the first drive of the game. Like Cook played 54% of the snaps. Steven Anderson played 48%. Trey McKitty played 51%. So yes, Cook is the preferred uh, receiver out of the group, but 54% of the reps, you know, Houston matchup is great. Maybe this is the time that Cook will post a tight end one finish, you know, for the first time since before the Chargers week seven bye. I just can't get behind him as more uh, than I, you know, a somewhat upside tight end two. And finally, Brevin Jordan. Nice DFS pump play, practicing in full with the hand injury. Would hope he'd be out there, but it's awfully hard to trust after they decided to make him active last week and just not play him. Quick other notes, not from the skill position, guys. You're playing Jonathan Taylor, but man, I'd be really you know nervous about Carson Wentz if you are streaming him because they are without their center, Ryan, Ryan Kelly, for personal reasons, and now both starting guards, Quentin Nelson and Mark Lewinsky, on the COVID list. Uh, kicker news, look at me delivering some kicking uh, nuggets. Browns kicker Chase McLoggin. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna learn kicker names. That's just non-negotiable. He's on the COVID list, so Chris Nagger is now there uh, for you kicker fiends out there. Buccaneers placed linebacker Levante David on the injured reserve list with a foot injury you know maybe that front seven not quite as ready to take on Chuba Hubbard I think they'll be just fine Miles Garrett is questionable for that Browns Packers game obviously that would be huge we'll see if he can play through the groin injury sounds like it's legit 50-50 but anyone out there trying to you know put some money on the brownies to cover I would be awfully worried if we take away truly you know probably I think we can say the best edge rusher in the game right now Donald's not an edge rusher. He's the best defensive lineman, best defensive player, maybe the best player period in the NFL. Uh, just want to give some, put some respect and credit on Miles Garrett's name as well. And finally, it looks like the Cowboys will be without Tyron Smith for another week with that ankle, as we have seen over the years. Not always great uh, for Dak and the rest of the offense when he is out of the picture. One more news refresh before I get out of here and do some fun Christmas Eve shenanigans. Yeah, I think that's about going to wrap it up, everyone. I want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, make sure you come check out Sunday morning. Dwayne and Andrew always do a start-sit hour at about 10 a.m. I also go on Twitter after finishing the PFF NFL show, which you can check out on Twitter as well, starting at 11 a.m. I'll be on Twitter usually about 12.15. I try to answer as many start-sit questions as I can for about 20, 30 minutes before kickoff. also want to invite you all that, hey, you know, if you've enjoyed this podcast hopefully you've won just so many dollars and you just don't even know what to do with them uh, after the successful fantasy embedding season you know support the pod you can get 50 percent off a pff elite annual subscription just using code elite up so you know you're helping me it looks good when the podcast gets subscriptions and you're helping yourself like come on all of our locked article content our betting dashboards i mean look nfl green line it tells you the best plays it's up 27 units a season the college football green line is up 32 units a season and again you know we're giving you all the best fantasy information that you can find throughout the injury. So a Christmas gift to you. Again, use promo code ELITEUP for 50% off an entire year of PFF Elite. 
Also want to point out and thank our guys at DraftKings because they have a hell of a Christmas Day deal for you. You can download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win on Christmas Day and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's promo code PFF this Christmas at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Sports for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, truly one of the coolest, uh, you know, ads. I love all of our ads, but all of our sponsors, but um, I do think Western Southern has a great deal for all of you. They are basically giving you a chance to get $2,500 in catering for Super Bowl Sunday on February 13, 2022 from a restaurant near you, all you got to do is literally ask a question to Chris Collinsworth about anything. It can be behind the scenes with Alan Sunday Night Football, a need to know for your financial future. You know, what Chris likes and doesn't like about Cincinnati. Does he agree with Joe Burrow's uh, statement about there not being much to do in the nightlife there? Ask whatever you want and that'll make you eligible for that catering prize. And you can find those answers on Chris Collinsworth's podcast as well as Western Southern's Instagram. So submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash ask chris one more time that is westernsouthern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below and remember western southern you can rest assured on game day appreciate y'all tuning in uh you know i know my pacing sometimes in these solo pods isn't the best and i talk kind of fast and maybe we got you know uh, gross noises who the hell knows but my point is thank you for tuning in anyway just trying to get you guys the information you know in the absence of some of my uh trusty co-hosts so y'all got family things to do sometimes but here at the pff fantasy football podcast always want to make sure you guys are ready to take on the world in fantasy land so thank you as always for tuning in until next time take care everybody we